This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. The great Billy Bean is going to be joining us here as we get you ready for a little A's baseball. We won an award for the top interview in the Bay Area. If you remember, I got the award, you didn't. Really? But I can bring it to your office if you'd like yeah, it. Did we? Yeah. What, what, which, which one of our great interviews was it? You it, was the one, it, was, it was the one that we did the weekly. Really? No kidding. You never told me that. Yeah, we won the best. Uh, we I, I can't remember who who Is presented it, for, it or was it for all the radio? For, yeah, for for you and me in the Bay Area, we were the uh, top interview of the year. I think it was like God, it was like what 2014 or something oh, like that. Oh man, that's great. How are you? It's been a while. It has. Well, the smoke's better here than it is out in the East Bay. Danville's bad. I can't believe how hot it is. Yeah. Well, that smoke too, I think, makes it worse. How are your girls doing? Uh, sophomore year of high school. What possibly could go wrong? That's think about that. Enjoy. You only got three years left. God, I, but we're starting to look at colleges now. Yeah. Have you done that with your or your twins? No, they're uh, eighth graders, so they're not yet. They're going to go to De La Salle, Crondelet. So, are yours at the Catholic school? No, nah, they're at Willow Glen. But uh, I mean, we've gone down. We've looked at Santa Barbara, UCLA. Already. San Diego State. When's the last time you've been back home? Yeah. It's like it's I went to uh, yesterday. Actually, I took my daughter to the St. Mary's San Diego State uh, girls soccer match yesterday afternoon. Yeah, isn't it crazy? Like colleges have changed so yeah. dramatically. How how big they become and the big business that is college. And uh, yeah, we're getting ready for that. It's kind of crazy. I know. It'll be fun. So how are you? It's good. good. Everything good with the family? Everybody good? Everything, yeah, everything's good. Well, my son had hip surgery. He had a tore tendon in his hip. He's a big soccer player, right? That's how he heard it. He's growing so fast. He's six foot. And he's Your kid is six foot? 13 and a half. Wow. So he's just growing too fast. So he had, had the growth plate that tore off. And he had an avulsion fracture in uh, May or April. Out 10 weeks, comes back, he's back for a month. The first minute of his first match, he slid to, popped a tendon and had to have surgery last Wednesday. I remember we were having a party out here on the field and they were little kids. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he's going to shoot past six foot, too. He's grown about seven inches in the last year. So, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, Everything else going good? Yeah, everything's going good. You know, I was thinking about this coming into, you know, You've had this job longer than anybody. I know Cashman was after you, but you've had this job longer than anybody. And, and there's and there's and there's not many jobs out there where you basically you're dealing with signing human beings, you're trading guys. Like there's not many jobs in this world like this. What what has it been like in your career to deal with so many people and you make their lives great? 
you change their lives by trading them, signing them. I mean, what what is that like? You know, you it, it, what you got to be careful is that you know you just said something that, and I've said this to David many times. You know, you got to make sure you don't get jaded in the job. Like you take take a kid who comes up for the first time, his first at bat in the big leagues. Now, this is my. 20 what what how many fifth whatever you're doing this what 98 oh yeah so yeah. i've seen a lot of first at bats you don't really necessarily think about it but you you've got to remember and i remember my first at bat in the major leagues what a massive event that is for that person and their families and everything and you you gotta in some sense you've got to like get outside yourself and say hey let's just stop and watch this at bat because this is the most exciting moment maybe in their life at that point and you know but it's the jaded part is that, you know, if you're a Jim and me and Dave and the guy doesn't get a hit his first day, you're all mad at him, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you got to check yourself and say, wait a second. You know, your first, any first I can just tell you, almost any first appearance, but, but even at bat, you just throw it out the door. If a guy hits a homer, and, you know, you, we've all seen that, that's incredible. But it's, it, you, I remember mine, it literally went like that. I had a massive headache afterwards because all the stress. And I was up there the first pitch I saw from Kent to Colby. I'd hit it right back to Kent him. Kent to Colby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was over in like 30 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. So. By the way, I wish we were on Sirius XM and we could really get into your Mets stories because <laughs> you've got some uh, – I mean, if we're going to go your old buddy Lenny Dykstra to Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, you've got incredible <laughs> Mets stories. That was an amazing – well, the, listen, it's great a team. It was incredibly talented team. In fact, I, I'll say it to the guys. To this day, I'm not sure I've seen a minor league system that was that good uh, the eight, from 80 through 85. And I, my first year, I was drafted 80. That was Daryl's year. Uh, Dykstra was 81. Uh, but that, Gooden was, what, 82 maybe. Uh, it, the amount of the talent, it seemed like every guy they drafted, whether it be high school or college, ended up being a really good player, if not for the Mets, for somebody else. I mean, they're getting guys like Mark Carrion out of high school in the seventh round. And uh, Rick Aguilera in, like, the fourth round. You know, he's saving 250 games. Uh, Calvin Chiraldi. I mean, just on and on and on. And I remember thinking as a, you know, as a kid going, God, I'm so glad I don't have to face you know our own pitching staff because our some of them in the minor leagues were just amazing and then uh but you know but one of them you know to to your point there were some amazing personalities there too it was a fun group of guys and ronnie darling was there you know and uh tim leary i remember him the old ucla guy and uh along with being talented players it was a pretty unique group of guys and it was it was fun it was it was a fun uh fun time to come up i was traded wisely as, because the Mets ended up getting Timmy Tuffle, who was uh, a guy that they've been wanting from a while for the Twins. So I, I wasn't there in 86 when they won it. But uh, it was a talented team, had lots of personalities, and then you had New York. And, uh, and New York at that time, was it was it was a perfect team for that town at that time. I mean, they, you know, they're like rock stars, you know. Totally, and, and, yeah. Uh, and it was a fun group. Davy Johnson was a, really one of the most underrated managers, I think, really, in modern day. People don't talk about he, he was a really good manager and was way ahead of his time in terms of the way he managed the game. Very similar way you guys manage now. I mean, he was a big proponent of the home run, the walk, 
uh, not necessarily risking outs on the bases. He liked offense. He'll, he'd usually cho choose the offense over the defense. In fact, he played Howard Johnson at short a number of times a year. Oh, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it was a great – it was actually – and, you know, and a lot of the players, you know, as major league players now, but we also had, like, you know – uh, Steve Phillips came up, ended up being a general manager. John Gibbons was with us, ended up managing for years. There was just a, a lot of, a lot of talent. Period. You know, not just uh, playing talent, but executive talent and coaching talent that came through there. And, and Frank Cashin was the uh, GM. And I don't know if Frank's in the Hall of Fame. If he's not, he should be. You know, I think about you. You know, when you're coming up, and you're around all this great talent. Like, when did you know? As Billy being, you know, your number one pick, you're, you know, you're projected to be a star. But when did you know, uh-oh, Daryl Strawberry's really good? <laughs> you know, like these guys, are, you were around yeah. some incredible talent. Yeah, it was, yeah, Daryl, I mean, to this day, probably, probably the best athlete I've ever been around. I mean, just natural athletic ability. I, I would, that was the one thing. I, I was always pretty honest with myself about my baseball skill level. But athletically, I I never felt like there's too many guys who weren't a better who were necessarily better athletes, you know. But baseball, you need both. You need to have the skill, you know. You, you just can't have pure athletic ability. If you've got both, and you, you know, you can be a great player. I didn't have the skill level and the strike zone discipline, on and on and on. But I remember playing in, with Daryl. I don't know if I told you this story once, Chris. And I was, you know, at the time, decent basketball. Well, weren't we all decent basketball players? Well, you're, you, you were tall and yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were playing, and we played back then. And you can't imagine now. We used to play pickup basketball games all the time, and we were playing Midland, Texas, on the road. We we're in the Texas League, and I, we we're playing two on two. And Daryl uh, had went to Crenshaw High. He was about six six. I was six four at the time, and he, he quickly drop stepped on me and slammed right on me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'd never had anybody, I'd never had anybody do that ever in my life. And I, and that was why you know beyond seeing him on the baseball field on a daily basis, I went. Whoa! <laughs> and again, I, you know, again, I always kept my own playing ability in perspective. But athletically, again, I always felt like you know I could compete athletically. Right away, I went, oh, this guy's better. <laughs> I'll never forget when he picked up the ball from the outfield oh, yeah. wall and threw it all the way home. You're like, that's a different yeah. dude. He he really was. And what people don't realize too is how fast he was. You know, because he was so tall and you know he had these long strides. You didn't necessarily, you wouldn't think like he's that fast. He could fly. He he, it was so fast. Just a great athlete, a good guy too. I always liked Daryl. And if I I ran into him a couple of years ago, I was speaking, and uh, at a conference, and he somehow happened to be there for something. We bumped into each other. It was good. I, I he was I always liked Daryl. He's he, man, he, probably as much pressure as I've ever seen on a young player coming up in my entire career. And he. It, you know, it, it was tough. I mean, number one pick. He was kind of one of the first of the sort of, you know, when you start talking about the draft, that was one of the number one picks people really started knowing right out of high school. And, and it was New York, too. So, uh, but he was a great player, really good player. You know, I think about your life, and so much of your life has been right here. Yeah. And, you know, you think about your family, you think about your kids, you think about your career. What does this place mean to you? You know, it's it's funny. As I've gotten older, I've actually, you know, I've, thought, I've walked down halls and I've, I've thought about, like, you know, I told, I remember telling David we were walking by, you know, we're here on the field now, Chris, people can't see us, but I was walking up on the concourse 
And I and I said, hey, I walked by this seat. I said, you know, I used when I my first year in the front office up here after I was named assistant Jim, I sat right here to have lunch here in the stadium in the off season. And I used to see Danny Glover on the payphone because they're filming Angels in the Outfield here. Remember, 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 Danny Glover was in Angels <laughs> yes. in the Outfield, and I'd come out of my office, have lunch, and just payphone, right? Yeah. And I was looking on the wall for more. Well, the payphone used to be here. By the way, kids, yeah. Google it. There's yeah. something called a payphone. And so he, he was using the payphone, and I'd come down, and, and they were filming out here for that movie in '90. I think it was the fall, or yeah, the fall of '93 after the season. And I'm thinking it's '93. That's like, oh my God! I mean, that's you know, work, you know, 27, 28, whatever years, 27 years ago, whatever it is, 28 years ago, and so you, it is a long time. And uh, you know, and me and, <laughs> me and Sandy used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. And stuff. <laughs> you and Sandy, <laughs> yeah. yeah, running around the outfield, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, again, that was, yeah, the, when Sandy was still here, we'd come out here and we'd take our shirts off. And in fact, I remember playing the Yankees once and talking to my buddy here. We we're playing, that was, that the, the year when Straw was with the Yankees was 90, he was, I think it was on the 98, 98 team. Yeah. yeah. And I remember they were in town one, and during that lunchtime, we we're playing the Yankees. I remember coming out, having the shirt off, you know, bronzing <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, listen, Eck used to run out of the Hagenberger when he was here. Like he brought in just a pair of shorts right on Hegenberger bronze. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him next time you see him. He'd go out there and he'd run and and uh yeah, like eighty nine, ninety and stuff. He, when he was yeah, when he was he you know, when he he was uh, uh Cy Young, he'd go out and he would run outside the stadium with these little like dolphin Coach, shorts. Coach's <laughs> shorts. No, they weren't coaches' shorts. <laughs> that would have been more appropriate. <laughs> you know, the reality is, you know, when they talk about how you don't like watching games, I remember, I can't remember what year it was. It was like around 12, 13. Mary, I had to ask you a question. And I came down the elevator, and you were on the treadmill, and Farhan was doing <laughs> biceps, and I went, it's real. I mean, you don't like to watch yeah. games you've i mean my box has been next to your box all these years i've never even seen you yeah. in your box no you know it, it i just I, what i realized you know you you know this job listen i've never lost in any of the intensity and i realized early on that when i did that i was overly intense and i wasn't a particularly pleasant person to be around and i wasn't necessarily a great decision maker too you know and so i i sort of realized you know I can get the same information. I can get everything I need to know in a less emotional time. And then it just became kind of a habit. And then, it, uh, you know, uh, it, and it just seemed like a much better way to sort of manage yourself and then ultimately make decisions, you know. And if, it's funny, when Bob came over here, Bob uh, Melvin, you know, Bob's been here, what, over a decade now, right? Yeah. And uh, as long as we got the longest, you know, whoever thought that was going to happen, right, early in my career, right? And well, uh, yeah, <laughs> to think that you have the longest tenured manager. Yeah. Well, that again, that was, I think it was more narrative than anything. But uh, I told Bob, I said, listen, Bob, after a game, I'll, I'll never call you unless we need to make a move, injury move. I won't call you after a win or a loss. And one of the reasons I, I said that is because, Win or lose, if we lose, we're, we're both emotional at that time. And 75%, I think most executives and head coaches or managers can relate, 75% of what you'd say after a tough game, you probably wouldn't say in the morning. 
And so I've, it's a much, just much healthier way. And so even if we win 17 to nothing, I won't call. If we lose, you know, again, unless we need to speak about or something really specific came up in that game that needs to be addressed in terms of, you know, let's say call-ups, things like that. But that, re- that doesn't happen all the time. So it's just a much better way to govern yourself. And I kind of learned a little bit from Sandy because, uh, you know, Sandy, <laughs> I remember the first night, first night I was, very first night I was the assistant gym. This is 93, middle of 93 I get promoted to assistant gym. And I come up here and I'm all fired up and I'm, I might even worn a suit into the office or something that day. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. And uh, I, I'm up in the box with Sandy, and uh, something first something happened, and he he happened to the re, the remote control slipped out of his hand and hit the wall, <laughs> and it, and I looked at Eric Kubota, who's our scouting director now. You know Eric well, right? And yeah. uh, and Eric was our assistant scouting director at the time. And I looked at him. And I said, "Wow." And he goes, oh, yeah, he's like this all the time. <laughs> I mean, he said he was really intense. And then over time, he too, he, what I would notice, like like in games when it started getting close, I, I'd look around the box. This is when I would sit in the box. And Wally was up there too, Wally Haas. And Sandy would be gone. And, I, you know, where's Sandy goes? And then Eric goes, oh, he went driving somewhere. And so I sort of picked up that habit of sort of escaping a little bit. Uh, probably the one, the two memorable ones was when we were in 2000. If you remember, if you remember, Chris, the last day of the season, we had to beat Texas to win the division. That was, and uh, it was late September. It was a hot day. I didn't want to watch any of it, so I went over to Alameda, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to hear anything. I just wanted to be gone for two hours and show up and have the game over. And I'm trying to avoid the game, and I walking on the beach in Alameda, and the Raiders are playing. I think so you could hear a Raider game thing, and you could hear our game on the radio with people on the beach. I'm just trying to get away, but it's on everywhere. So I, I remember reading a magazine in the Safeway over in Alameda for like an hour and a half. I finally broke down and drove in Hagenberg, and I think it was either Jambi doubled that day. Jeremy, I didn't see it, but I just know on the thing. Jeremy and then Randy Vardy might have homered. We won three nothing, and I could hear the crowd all the way on Hagenberger. So I knew something good had happened, but I didn't know what the score. And when I walked in, I think we were up like 3 nothing in the 7th or 8th inning. That was a day, it's kind of a famous, for me it's famous, seeing Isrenhausen strike out, I think Catalanato for the last out. And that was our first division title. And, uh, and that's, so that's one of my memorable escapes. One of the New York games, I went on the subway and just wandered around the city. In game five, it was the, I think that was 2000, 2001, I think. When, yeah. I'll never forget. <laughs> When I was on KMBR, and I brought you on Saturday night when you traded for Isringhausen, and you came on with Larry Kruger and I back in the day. What, what year was that? That was, that was in the uh, 90s, right? We traded for Izzy in 99 because yeah. I, 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 I got crushed t- t- 10 days before that because I don't know if you remember, we had Kenny Rogers. The gambler. And what we needed to do was trade. See, we had a, a unique situation with Kenny. He was making $5 million a year. The Yankees were paying two and a half million, so we were getting two and a half million cash. So we were able to take send the five million salary to the Mets, but still keep the two and a half from the Yankees. So we didn't subsidize. So they paid because he was really good. We didn't have to. So we used that to create cash, you know. To and then we, so we, but we traded Kenny, and we we're like a game under five hundred, and everyone. I mean, it was my second year, and they're just killing me on the radio, like <laughs> we're, like we were waving a white flag, and I knew we had a whole bunch of moves. That's when we. Apier came in, Velarde came in, Omar Oliveras came in, Izzy came in. And so, uh, so you know, with the cash that we'd created or the payroll space that we created, well, we had to wait 10 days. So for 10 days, you, you probably won them or just 
crushing me. Yes, probably. <laughs> oh, it was brutal. Yeah, was, I mean, it, in your second year, you know, now, you know, you get crushed. You know, they say nice thing, get crushed. It's, you know, at, at, at this point, you know, you sort of know how to handle it. When you're second year, it's, it's not as much fun. Well, you admitted a few years back that you have watched Moneyball, but you're always looking over your back to make sure no one's watching you while you do it. Do you like how you were portrayed? Yeah, I thought, yeah, I mean, uh, I like all the good parts, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable. I mean, it's, it's a tough question to ask. It's Brad Pitt. I mean, you know, she, you, you kind of had me at hello, right? Yeah. So that helps. And, uh, uh, I mean, it wasn't, you know, uh, you know, it, that helped. And he was phenomenal. So it was just it's an uncomfortable experience. And now when you mentioned, I've, I don't think I've seen the whole movie since that we had the premiere here in Oakland in 11, which you were at yeah. that, yeah. That's the last time I've seen the whole movie. I, I think I might have told you the story. If not, it's it's funny because uh, it was three years ago in spring training, and I was in Phoenix, and I and I had, like, the flu, and I was sick as a dog. Nick told me, just stay home, and I'm on the couch, and I've got a blanket on it. I'm just laying there watching, and I happened to scroll through the guide, and it was, like, money balls on it, and I, and I kind of make sure no one's watching. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I turned it on and watched about 20 minutes of it, right? And then I started thinking, oh, this is really creepy. Someone's going to come in and, and think, you know, like, then I sit around watching the movie, but I was like, I just turned it off, right? And so I've never seen the whole, I've never seen the whole thing. And uh, and my younger kids, my, my oldest daughter, Casey, obviously has, but my uh, she younger. She lived it. Yeah. My younger ones. Uh, my daughter's seen half of it. She's the one who always wanted to see it. My son could care less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he, he could care less. He didn't even know who Brad Pitt is. That, <laughs> it's like, whatever, Dad. Yeah. So my favorite parts of the movie are the scouts. It's hilarious, yeah. right? He's got an ugly girlfriend. What does that mean? No confidence. Did any of that Did any of that ever, like, I like a guy has got a little hair on his ass. Did any of that ever really happen? It's, in real life, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> The, the scouts have their own lingo, yeah, and especially our guys because we've been together so long and there's such a sense of comfort with each other that it's and a lot of that they they took, you know, and, and Michael was in the draft room, so Michael Lewis was Mike. The one thing about Michael's book was Michael was there. Everything that's in there is true. I mean, unfortunately, I wish it wasn't because there were some quotes in there that you know kind of cringe myself. But Michael was there, and so they drew a lot of it from, from the book. And and honestly, our draft room is even funnier than that. When you get in the draft room, because we're, we're all there, all the it's scouts. It's a war are, room. Oh, it's, and, they're, and they're so funny. I mean, you know Billy O. Yeah. I mean, Billy O. You want the, the best story about the great Billy Owens, <laughs> uh, Bay Area kid from uh, Bellarmine. Uh, it was so funny when I had him on, because you know he travels more. He's got more Marriott points than any human being in the yeah. world, right? He, he When we had him on, he was like, I actually got to actually meet my neighbors for the first time because of COVID. He had to be home. He didn't even know his, what, Gilbert, Arizona, yeah. wherever he lives. He's like, he didn't even know his neighbors he travels yeah. so much. Yeah, I remember being on the road with him one time. And he, he at one time, he, he had bought the place in Gilbert. And he had another, his old place. He was actually renting it out, you know. So I remember we might have been in Atlanta or something years ago. And on a scout, I was scouting. We and I met him somewhere. And. And he gets his calls, and he and he's calling his handyman to go fix the plumbing at his old house, and it like like he was like a real estate mogul, but I think he senses sold that because he's just not around enough to get on. But Billy's the best, and he he he's out. Yeah, that's 
he loves the game. He loves sports. You know that. Yeah, he's a former quarterback. I get as yeah. many texts from Billy on college football, on college, you know, basketball. But he's just a sports fanatic. And uh, I mean, Billy could work at any. I mean, he could be an NFL scout if he wanted to. He could be at any scout because he just loves sports. He loves talking about players. He loves talented kids, and he loves talking about them. And that's why he's great at what he does. So when did it come to you that continuity is the – I mean, I think how long David's been here. I mean, he's grown up as a, yeah. as an adult here. Talk about Billy O, Kubota, now Bob Melvin, just – Grady. Great. Yeah, Chris Pataro. I mean, Chris. Great, Grady's playing golf with my brother and nephew down at uh, uh, San, Jose, San Diego Country Club. Uh, it, I think about the con- – when did you say, I'm not going to be the guy that replaces it. I'm about continuity. When did that happen? You know, I – I was having this con- a friend of mine is a writer in New York, and we were talking about some things. And, and I've known him for years; he's a good friend. And we were talking, and we started talking about the. If you think about the A's history, you know, he was asking me like basically the you know the question I don't really get anymore is like, well, you know, how come you've always stayed there? And there's a million reasons why. But if you look at the A's history, you had Connie Mack who ran it for well, how many years, right? Yeah, fifty or whatever. You had Charlie Finley. You had Sandy. And then now myself, there hasn't been a whole lot of sort of heads of baseball operations in, in general with the A's going back to Philadelphia. It's sort of always been the case with us. And I, I didn't necessarily think about that when I started, but uh, I think that's one of our strengths is the, is the continuity. We've been through a lot together. There's a comfort. There's a sense of calm, I think, when, you know, listen, we've gone through rebuilds here. We've lost our best players. We've had, I mean, I've. I mean, I think back to even like when we traded Donaldson. We were a team that had to rebuild, and we literally took our best asset in the trade and didn't get a whole lot in return. And we still figured it out. You know, we just kept transacting. And I think a lot of that comes with the fact that, you know, there was a sense of confidence with all of us. And, and we, weren't, we, we knew we weren't always going to be right, but we weren't going to be frozen uh, with in, 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 be inactive because we'd made a mistake. And so uh, – that's assuming you think the Donaldson trade didn't turn out best for us. I mean, some people argue that it did, but uh. I mean, <laughs> I, I've never ripped you about it on the postgame show. <laughs> I never said that. I did. I never said no. I mean, you know, I, I I think about your time. I mean, you've been here so long. We were joking how you were going to become a catcher at one point, but I just think about you know how long you've been here. I mean, you are a huge part of the fabric that is A's baseball. And I remember, and we'll end on this, because I know you got to go, but I remember we were talking about, like, people don't understand how tough this job is. You, it wasn't fair that they put you out there on ballpark. You're not a ballpark guy. You, yeah. You're here, and but you were the face. And, unfortunately, kind of Lou kind of threw you under the bus in a lot of <laughs> ways, let's be honest. But you've been through so much. Just talk about, you understand how to win here, and I don't think people really understand how tough it is, your job, to try and win every single year. Yeah, and the, well, the first thing is I say it's we, because it is we. I mean, you, I'm glad you mentioned David. I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i had some amazing guys next to me. You think of like a Valti Podesta, yeah. who's running the Browns now, and you see where they're, where they're going. I've had Farhan. We see what Farhan's done over there. But the constant for me, and I had JP before that, and I've got Billy O and I got David. So those guys I've had next to me for 20 years. And so I feel so fortunate, number one, to have, and you guys have gotten to know David over the years. This isn't, you know, when I say, oh, David, it's not me just, you know, praising a number two. The, the people know how much David does or how important he is, which is great. 
Uh, and so I've been lucky. I've had, I think of anything what I've been good at, I've, I think I've done a good job at finding good people around me and, uh, and creating a continuity because uh, it is hard. I mean, every year, I mean, it's the churn. I mean, it, it would, it, there's been a couple of years where we had, I, I, it might have been after 13 or 12, and I knew, we, we knew we didn't have to do 13, I think it was. We go, this team's coming back. And we basically just little tweaks. But then the next year, it's a complete overhaul. And that churn is just makes it very difficult. And we don't, we've got a small group of players we're able to choose from. So, uh, you know, I listen, looking around sports and things like that, I really respect the, you know, listen, anybody who does this job, I respect. But when you see guys, if they, they win and then they do it again, like Belichick, it's amazing what Belichick has done. I mean, his roster's, you know, for 20 something years. I think of Bill Walsh, what he did. Walsh, yeah. yeah. And Belichick's even, I mean, I mean, the one that constant he had was Brady, you know, obviously the most important position in the field. But still, just the constant turnover that he had in the NFL, which by and large has a salary cap, pretty impressive. And so, uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate that comment. It is, it is tough, but I mean, everybody, it's tough in every market. I mean, you know, Brian Cashman, we're playing the Yankees and I, Brian has his own headaches too, you know, trust me. I mean, there's headaches that he has. But in fact, it's a good time to talk about Brian. I'll let you go is that. Because Ryan and I are like a couple months apart. Yeah. You know, we both. He's like three months yeah, after you. Yeah. Yeah. So. And by I, the way, you helped him with analytics, by the way. According, I know. Yeah. According to the reports. Yeah. Thanks for that. Well, you know, it's funny. The guy, <laughs> the, the, guy the, the young man, his name's Michael Fishman. We almost hired him when Paul left. Me and David were going to hire him. And then the last interview was a guy named Farhan. And we went, that's the guy, right? <laughs> and that's literally what me and David said. When, and you've, you've gotten to know Far. Oh, yeah, he's, great guy. And, and now, you know, everyone realized, A, how great he is. What a great personality. But after the interview, I mean, Michael Fishman is fantastic. And he's like the number two guy there. And he was on the back page of the Post when they were struggling, right, kind of uh, a couple of months ago. But, yeah, when Brian was uh, looking to start an analytics department about 04. It was like 04, 05, I think it was. Maybe – and he said, hey, do you have any recommendations? I said, hey, there's a wonderful young man. We were going to hire him, except this, this other guy named Farhan Zaidi came in, and, and it was just a perfect fit. And, and, and Michael's been a great fit for them over there. But, I, yeah, Brian's a good friend. And, but his, you know, it's a good time to talk about him. He might be the great. If you look at his body of work, he may be, you could make the argument that he's the greatest GM of all time in terms of accomplishment. You know, how long he's been there in that market and how many World Series he's won, his winning percentage. And yet he's constantly sort of having to be on the defensive because, you know, if you're the Yankees guy, if you don't win it, then it, it, nothing works. You know, you're going to. Boy, gonna are get, you being humble right now. <laughs> I don't remember them writing a book about Brian Cashman <laughs> or making a movie about uh, Brian Cashman. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even might. know who would even play Brian Cashman <laughs> in a movie. Yeah, well, uh, he's good. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, he doesn't get the credit because he's got the money. And uh, it, but it's not, you know, listen, there's a lot of great GMs. That's the one thing I think now that the game is so smart. I mean, you look at, I mean, Farhan in San Francisco, Andrew down in Los Angeles, Neander in, in, in Tampa. I mean, this just a, I mean, I could go on. There, there's there's no, nobody who's doing this job who isn't. Who isn't really bright and really good at what they do? I'll never forget you told me this. I don't remember what year. And people think about, oh, he could have gone to Boston. He could have gone to New York. I know L.A.'s come after you. You always said, I want to be able to go to Starbucks and be able just to have a coffee in Danville, and no one cares. Yeah, you know, no, exactly. And it's, that's the great thing about living in the Bay Area 
is there's so people, so many interesting people here, especially with the way the world's gone the last 25 years. The companies that have come out of here, you're in, if you're in line at that Starbucks, the guy in front of you might have invented, you know, three or four companies and sold them already. He might have actually done something creative and helpful to mankind. <laughs> and so it's humbling to know who your neighbors are because it's such a dynamic area in so many ways. And so, but yeah, for me, uh, yeah, I again, I. In fact, I'll give you a quote. Someone said, you know, I remember in Boston, which is an amazing sports town, and they, you know, say, hey, if you win in Boston, you're going to own the town. And I remember saying, I don't really want to own the town. I just want to go to Starbucks and have a cup of coffee, you know, and hang out, you know, and talk about something else. So, yeah, it, it, it's, I'm not trying to be overly humble, but I just, I mean, we're from San Diego. That's how we roll, man. Yeah, shorts <laughs> and flip-flops. Well, I mean, I, 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 I always say this. I'm not here, you know, one of the great achievements in my career was being able to leave sports radio on my terms which most people don't and to be able to come work for the organization that I love I'm not here if it's not for you I understand that you've done it you've done a lot for me in my career over the years and you know I've known you since the 90s and I can't thank you enough for everything you've done for me Uh, no it's well deserved Chris it's great to have you here it's uh and I remember those so what you finish is you're trying to get rid of me now. Is I'm, <laughs> I remember me and you and Kruger with this. You had a Sunday show, right? Yes, right Saturday and Sundays. Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to go on that all the time. And I'm thinking, there's no way in heck I'd go on that. I, no, we're friends. You know, now yeah. we've known each other for years. Yeah. But I'm thinking, God, I used whenever someone would call, I'd do every radio show mainly because I thought I had to, right? Oh, you're on Jim Rome constantly. <laughs> yeah. But then I realized, then there gets to the point where you go. Man, I don't have to do any of these things. Not that I don't like doing it, but if you do this job long enough, you kind of run out of cute things to say, yeah. and then you kind of get tired of yourself. And you, you know, and you're, and then you again, when you're in the bay, you're not that important. I'm not that important. And so, the idea that someone would want to talk to me three, four times times a week, I'm thinking, ah, I'm not that interesting anyway. So, uh, it, again, it's a lot of it is just more you you get fatigued with yourself. Well, we did win yeah. best interview of the year. I don't remember I what year that, that was. I think it was like thirteen or fourteen. I have the trophy. I want. I want a copy because you know, in this era of Zoom calls, that would look nice over my shoulder. I mean, think about that. I mean, are we getting out of that? I mean, it's it's horrible. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I, I, I actually I hope so. It's it's funny. It's 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 still it's going to be around the state to some extent, and which will prevent some of us from having to travel in some situations. But yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. It's nice to actually come out. You see the press and everything now, and uh, never thought I'd say that. <laughs> no, you're gonna run out of here real quick. Uh, by the way, when Steve Vucinich retires after spring training, are you the longest tenured guy? Uh, no. Well, we got Pam Brady, Pam. We got a Pam bunch. Pitts yeah. has been yeah, here forever. Pam's, yeah, Pam's been here. Mickey. The great Mickey Morbido. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mickey, yeah, definitely Mickey, Pam, or Grady, or off the Keith. Well, Keith's still with us, so yeah, you know, he's he's taking a little going in the Hall of Fame. All these guys going in the Hall of Fame, as he should. I mean, it's it's uh, you, you'll you'll be there soon. Well, I want to wear a green jacket in the Hall of Fame, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think at some point you're gonna I get hope in. So. Yeah. All I right, hope my so. hey. By the way, how do you feel? We'll end on this. You cool with this alliance, Pac-12, Big Ten, like Big 12, really? Well, well I, I tell you, I'm getting a little – these super conferences, we, we know, we, we got – Because you're still on the board, right, for helmets? Right no, now? no, not anymore. No, not anymore. That, that, if people don't know, you're a huge USC fan. Huge USC fan. I, I, yeah. Well, 
I'm, you know, I get a little worried about the Pac-12 mainly because, you know, from a competitive standpoint, the SEC has been dominating. And yeah. Ohio State and Penn State and Wisconsin. And the way that SC, is it Oklahoma and Texas joining and what? Yeah, that was a shocker. Yeah, so I, I, from a competitive standpoint, it, I, it, it'll be interesting. I, I just want – I just like, like to see – I like to see West Coast teams in the bowl games. I don't want to see them playing in the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl on, on December <laughs> the 19th. Blue Bonnet Bowl <laughs> from <know>? the Astrodome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, every, it, it God we're a long old, time. we remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah. The uh, Poland Weed Eater Bowl. Yeah, the Poinsettia Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we had that in San Diego. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. So, no, I, I just – I like to see I you know I root for the root for the local kids I root for the West Coast I like to see Oregon Oregon State Washington I, I like to see see them do well so in the last few years in you know football the SEC the facilities in the SEC even in baseball have just are so so good now you, know, you got kids from the West Coast from San Diego kids from our high school that are going out to the SEC to play SEC to play baseball now because the facilities are so they got a yeah. lot of money yeah well they put a lot on the you know athletic facilities and um, and so so for that reason i'm hoping the the merging of the conferences will at least create a you know a, a very competitive and a good conference i want usc to win it but <laughs> but we'll see we're right around the corner hey thank you so much it's always great good talking to you guys we're it's gonna talk to you during the postseason there you go there we go the great it's, billy bean right, right here on a's cast live this has been a presentation of the oakland athletics Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.